Do you want to see revival? What is the spiritual condition of your heart? Does the Bible find fault with your life? Revival starts with you. But what should you expect if God would revive his church in your local community? And that is coming at you right now. Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. We do that in a positive way. It's not just that the church of God is on defense, we're on offense. So the resistance is an offensive. We want to then war against sin, self, the devil, and the world because we believe that's what God is doing and we want to join him in that work. With all the buzz about revival that's going on right now, I believe it is helpful for us to look into the scripture and see what does the Bible say about biblical revival. With the word revive, we, I, I just want to say first and foremost, I guess, we don't have one particular place in the scripture we're going to park, but we're going to jump around in different places. Uh, but revival, or the word revive, it has the connotation that something once had life and needs to be given life again, pumped back up, you know, full of life again, renewed, reinvigorated, something like that, a reviving, a refreshing. So something that once had life needs to be revived. So revival then is for the church, which goes along with 1 Peter 4, 17, where we are told that the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. But what are we to expect with biblical revival? Furthermore, how do we even pray for a biblical revival? And what are the fruits of biblical revival? And so I want us to look into the scriptures and get an idea of this. And then when we find out what it is, to not settle for anything short of biblical revival. No matter how wonderful things could appear at certain ways, we what we are contending for as Christians is that Christianity would spread, that the gospel would spread, and that starts in people's hearts, but then God could take over cities, towns, states, nations, as individuals respond to the gospel and then move forward in their newfound light and walk in obedience to God. So we don't want to settle for anything less. We don't want to undermine what God may start or do, but we also want to make sure that what we are aiming for is what is in the scriptures and to follow hard after that and to encourage others to follow hard after that if we expect to have a biblical revival. So in revivals that we find throughout the scriptures, and I do want to say I have used a resource here that has been very helpful in, first of all, this cycle that I'm about to tell you, as well as um, certain places that referenced in Scripture um, what the uh, certain biblical accounts of revival are. I didn't use all of what was in that reference, but I am hesitant to tell you what the source is because there are some things that this source and the people that are behind the source believe that I am hesitant to tell others because I don't want them to go down that way. However, this information in and of itself is good, and I I want you to understand that I normally would give credit to whom credit is due, but in this instance, my conscience won't let me do that. So I hope you forgive me for that, but the information in itself is helpful. It was really more of a reference point. But there is a cycle of revival and awakening that we find in, in a pattern that goes throughout the scriptures. First, we have God's people 
So Israel in the Old Testament, uh, in the New Testament, uh, the people that are saved, whether they be Jew or Gentile, but God's chosen people. Those chosen people depart from God in some way, shape, or form. Then some kind of prophetic figure is sent to warn them. So in the in the Old Testament, obviously that would have been a prophet, could be a judge, um, could be the prophetic element inside of the New Testament. And as we see more throughout church history, somebody who is a revivalist in some way, shape, or form, and really he just has the prophetic function to call the church to repentance and, and to get back to where they should be. So the chosen people depart from God. God raises up a prophet to warn his people Generally speaking, that warning is rejected. Then God allows some disciplinary measures to fall upon his people, which then results in them crying out to God in repentance, crying out to God and asking God to forgive them because they know that the judgment that's come upon them is a direct result of their turning away from what they knew was right in God's ways. Then God raises up a deliverer, uh, and I guess in this case, this would be more like the, the judge or the revivalist. God raises up that deliverer. Um, and that deliverer, it seems to be God has appointed him for a special time or purpose to then carry that message to to be the uh, a leader or figurehead over what is happening to lead God's people in the right direction and to deliver them from the idolatry and the wickedness that they were in in some sense. We know Christ is the ultimate deliverer, but God uses people. He chooses the foolish people of the world to confound the wise. Then a revival takes place a revival inside of the hearts of God's people. After that, the Great Commission is fervently pursued, and then there is an awakening amongst sinners. And that cycle repeats itself throughout the scriptures. Now, I have some accounts of biblical revival here to help us to uh, understand this and see that it's happened there, and I'm not going to go through all of them, and perhaps we might break some of these down in the future even more so. But let's look at um, two places in the Old Testament. In the book of Judges, there were, I believe, eight um, revival cycles that had taken place there. So I, this is really a crash course going through rather quickly. Uh, but let's start there in the book of Judges. The first cycle of apostasy and revival we find in Judges 3, 7 through 11. Israel departed from God. Then God's method of discipline was to oppress his people by Mesopotamia or Aram for eight years. Israel then called out to God for deliverance. And the name of their deliverer or judge was Othniel. And so they repented of their sins. They cried out to God. God helped them. And the duration of the time of that revival brought peace for 40 years. Then we see another cycle again with Ehud when he, was, when he pulled out the dagger to kill the Moabite king. So this is the second cycle of that apostasy revival in Judges 3, uh, 12 through 30. So Israel departed from God again. God's method of discipline was the oppression by Moab, Ammon, and Amalek for 18 years under that oppressive uh, judgment. Then Israel cried out to God for deliverance, confession, repentance, and then God sent them a deliverer, Ehud. And the duration of the time uh, from that revival brought peace for 80 years. Then there's the third cycle of apostasy and revival. Uh, though this cycle of apostasy and revival uh, was contained in one verse, it has these elements in here that shows us that same kind of a cycle. There was, and this is in Judges 3.31, there was oppression from the Philistines, there was a deliverer, Shamgar, then there was deliverance. So with that brief amount of information that we find in Judges 3.31, 
if we compare that to all the other cycles, it's safe for us to assume that that same pattern happened, though not many words were spoken, that they cried out in confession, in repentance, and asking God for help and for deliverance, and therefore he had done it. We find also the prophetess Deborah. Uh, that was another case in Judges 4, 1 through 24, and 5, 1 through 31. Again, Israel departs from God the ways that they knew were right. God's method of discipline, he oppressed them by the Canaanites for 20 years. Israel called out to God for deliverance in Judges 4, 3. The name of the deliverer or judge um, and prophet was Deborah and Barak. Then the duration of the time uh, of peace from that revival was 40 years. So blessings always came from the re repentance um, from the people of God and turning back to him and God's delivering uh, deliverance 40 years. Then Gideon, uh, he had the selection of his 300 soldiers. This cycle of apostasy and revival, Israel departed from God. Again, Judges 6. God's method of discipline, he oppressed the people of Israel uh, by the Midianites for seven years. Israel called out to God for deliverance again. God used an unnamed prophet to call the people back to himself. The name of the deliverer or the judge was Gideon. And then they had 40 years of peace after or as a result of that revival. Then we find the death of Abimelech, where he had a piece of a millstone that struck him in his head. And this is found in Judges 8, 32 through 35, and 9, 1 through 57, and 10, 1 through 5. We read there that, again, Israel departed from God. Following this departure from obedience to God, there was civil strife amongst the, the nation there. And uh, so there was a fracture in the, even the political system. Sounds very similar to today. Uh, Abimelech, Abimelech, though not a defender nor considered really a judge at all, he reigned over Israel for three years, and there was problems from this particular man. And though there's no uh, mention that Israel called out to God for deliverance by observing uh, the other cycles that we're looking at in here in the book of Judges, again, we can safely assume this cycle has happened again. And um, then there were judges that followed Abimelech after his death, Tola, who defended and judged Israel for 23 years, and Jair, who judged Israel for 22 years. So God delivered them out of a terrible situation once again. Then we find a seventh cycle of uh, this apostasy revival in Judges 10, 6 through 18, 11, 1 through 40, and 12, 1 through 15. Again, Israel departed from God. Um, then God's method of discipline was oppression by the Philistines and the Ammonites for 18 years. Israel called out to God for deliverance. The name of the deliverer or the judge was Jephthah. The duration of peace that was brought on by this revival was six years. And there's no record of further apostasy, but there is a succession of three judges that followed Jephthah. One was Ibsam, then another Elon, and another Abdon. Then we find Samson uh, when he pulled down the pagan temple. Israel had departed from God. God's method of discipline was oppression by the Philistines for 40 years. And there's no mention of Israel calling out to God for deliverance, but from the pattern that we see inside of Judges again, that is very likely that that's exactly what happened. They called out for deliverance, and we find that God sent them a deliverer, Samson. Now, Samson's got his own apostasy revival cycle himself. Uh, but we never see total deliverance from all Philistine oppression. But Samson, in this, in this instance, did judge the nation for 20 years, and God used him as sort of a protector leader over that. So we find, again, that cycle being played out. 
Then if we go into Samuel, we find that God's, uh, this is 1 Samuel 6 and 7, God's people, the Israelites, have been living in the promised land for about 348 years. They departed from God. They had, they were in idolatry and they were learning the ways of the nations around them. They were under Philistine oppression. Uh, the Philistines took the ark of God. Israel cried out to God. God raised up Samuel. Samuel called the Israelites to uh, repentance. He told them to confess their sins, destroy their idols, and restore the true worship of God. You can find that in 1 Samuel 7, 3. The Israelites went to battle against the Philistines. Samuel offered a sacrifice. God confused the Philistines, and Israel ultimately defeated the Philistines. And the result was there was no more oppressive domination from the Philistines through the rest of Samuel's life, and they recaptured some of the land that the Philistines had stolen. Now we move to the New Testament, and we find a couple places there. The day of Pentecost, there was an intense 10 days of prayer in the upper room with 120 people. They were waiting for the promise of the Father. Peter goes out and preaches to crowds that were there, and that was attended with great conviction and repentance. We're told 3,000 people were saved. We're told a little bit later, two chapters later, 5,000 were added to the church uh, at a later time. We find in Ephesus that Paul, in his journey, he came upon 12 believers, it says, but they were not yet filled with the Holy Spirit. So he told them about that. They were filled with the Spirit of God. Paul taught in the hall of Tyrannus for two years there in, in Ephesus. And then there were these guys, the sons of Sceva, who had seen Paul uh, cast out demons and tried to do it themselves. Instead, the demons jumped on them, ripped their clothes apart, and the fear of God fell on the entire city. So here we find that revival kind of account where the fear of God drops on a city. There is public confession of sins, and the awakening spills out around them. Believers then burned their witchcraft books, and the word of God spread widely. So what does this help us to understand? understand. Again, revival is for the church. And that revival is to wake up the church out of apathy, out of looseness, out of wrong directions in life, out of sins that may have crept in their lives or excuses for sin, and to instill the church again with a vibrant, holy life. And that holy life is the life of Christ within them. So biblical revival, this is something we need to take away. Biblical revival always results in holy lives. Biblical revival results in the renouncing of sin, supreme love to God, obedience to God, renewed interest, power, and practice of prayer, and a boldness in the Great Commission. So if you are expecting revival, expect those things, dear listener. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782. I'd love to talk with you on the phone, or if you're local, I'd love to meet with you. Visit godsresistance.com. Also visit God's Resistance Press YouTube channel for more. And I would love to see you if you're local at Abide Coffee Shop every Thursday at 6.30 p.m.